Dispensing wisdom, inciting awesomeness, scaling joy. Welcome to the Mojo Studios podcast. It's time to turn down the deluge of distractions and put yourself in a mindset of receptivity and growth. Absorb, digest, apply, repeat. Dinner is served. Hey, I'm live here with my friend, Lee Free, who I've affectionately monikered Hemi from years gone past. Uh, Hemi's out somewhere in the other part of the country. Tell everybody where you are, Lee. Hey, Hoser. <laughs> uh, your moniker from the past. I'm uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma today. As I understand it, Lee, you're kind of between two worlds right now, or maybe more than two, uh, as you're finishing up an assignment in Tulsa and transferring your life uh, back to Alabama where you used to live. Is that right? That's right. So we end up in Alabama sometimes, in Minnesota, in Oklahoma, and later later in a couple months, we're going to be out there in Cali and, and visit you. Does anybody in California actually call it Cali? I don't believe so. <laughs> yeah, everybody. I, I started hearing that when I didn't live in California anymore. Lee and I met back in Cali many, many years ago. <laughs> All right. You know what I love about Tulsa? I don't know. There's, there's every restaurant you could possibly want to eat at. Oh, is that right? Except for In-N-Out Burger. We've literally, Tulsans have been begging the In-N-Out Burger people for years to come to Tulsa and they just, they skip right over us. Oh man. I know. Yeah, well, I have several just within like a uh, stone's throw of where I'm sitting. So when you come yeah. out to, we'll, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll make a tour of In-N-Out Burgers. That would be great. That would be great. I have literally, had a layover in LAX one time, and I took the, I took the tram, the parking tram, to a to an In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> while yep. I had my layover. That's how desperate we are when we when we don't live in California. I know uh, for myself and many of my friends, anytime they've gone overseas or they're away from California for any length of period of time, almost inevitably their first stop back in California is an In-N-Out Burger. Absolutely. And and for those of you who haven't tuned into our God Moms before, uh, Lee has written a, a several essays, put some in a book that's yet to be published, and some he just continues to post on Facebook. And he calls them God Moments, which is very appropriately named. And basically, Lee's just going through everyday life like we all do, and God reveals himself in what we would consider either normal or everyday or mundane moments. And Lee has this great gift of writing down these insights about but in things he sees about the nature of God or, or God's relationship with us, that's just revealed in everyday life. And to me, just that principle of God is trying to speak to us, get our attention all the time, whether or not we notice it or stop to think about it, that's that's a whole other question. But really, it's available to us all the time. I think that's safe to say, don't you? Definitely. Definitely. He's always speaking. Lee has written, I think, 90 into a, a book that we hope to publish in the near future. And then he just continues to generate one, generate them on his Facebook page. And this one that he wrote back in June is just awesome, as usual. Got a lot of traction and certainly got my attention. Uh, in this God moment, Lee writes, when Ryan Lochte's fingers finally touched the pool wall, his dream was over. 36 years old, 
one of the winningest Olympians in American history. And he was driven, he was driven to qualify for Tokyo 2021. Why? Didn't he have enough medals? Wasn't it time to stay home with his wife and children and cheer for younger athletes? To understand what was driving Lochte, you had to remember a strange event from the Rio Olympics of 2016. One night, a group of American swimmers went out on the town, partied hard, and then claimed to have been robbed by local thugs. The story turned out to be a fabrication. The watching world was left with questions of why and what sort of imbalance would cause Ryan Lochte to instigate such an event. So it seemed that Lochte clung to a hope that success this year in Tokyo would erase memories of Rio. But last Saturday evening, when he finished seventh in his heat and failed to qualify for the Olympics, this hope was dashed. I can't presume to know what was going on in Ryan's soul, but his story reminds me of my own. As a young man, I performed Herculean feats to convince the viewing public that I was the hero of the story. Mistakes, missteps, outright acts of disobedience piled up. But I held on to the illusion that no one was noticing my frailties, or if they were, an articulate explanation would restore my image. It was marriage and fatherhood that finally burst my bubble. Here were four people who were becoming increasingly aware of my humanity. One by one, my children passed through the dad is so awesome stage into the realization that dad had issues. These issues were no longer just benevolent dad joking quirks. They were causing real and lasting pain. Eventually, due to the patience and truthfulness of my family, I realized I could no longer sustain the illusion of heroism. A new desire began to form, mercy. The death of illusion is part of everyone's journey. Some experience it at a graciously young age. Others cling to the illusion well into their winter years. Sooner or later though, our motto must change from I'm awesome to I'm sorry. The final time my son Jonathan uttered the words, whoa dad, you're awesome was a sad day. Nowadays, though, there's a new utterance that resounds as music to my ears. Dad, I forgive you. This is the best and most we can hope for in this life. The good news for everyone is that our God is patient. He waits however long is necessary for our illusions of perfection and heroism to die. In that moment, if we call out for his mercy, he is quick to supply it. Father, I no longer have the strength to sustain the illusion that I have it all together. Today, I resolve to change from being a pursuer of perfection to a receiver of grace made possible by your son, Jesus. Hmm. Wow, that is so awesome, Lee. Awesome, this is no longer just about us, but it's about uh, God's love. I mean, tell, tell me a little bit yeah. about, about what was going through your heart and your mind when you were writing this. This thought comes to mind a lot, uh, particularly with my oldest daughter. Uh, you know, whenever we, <laughs> you know, whenever we get together for birthdays, we go around the table and we say, we all chime in and say what we appreciate about that person. And uh, you know, for the last few years, my daughter Lindy would would say, "Well, Dad, the thing I appreciate you is that you're honest about your failure." <laughs> and used to go, "Wait a minute, what about you know?" my great preaching or my great this or what a great dad I was or, you know, and it just, 
I, I started realizing this is really the best thing I think in this life that that's the best thing that somebody could say about you is that man he humbly recognizes when he messes up and he says he's sorry <laughs> yeah yeah no kidding yeah, I remember uh, when I was a kid there was a famous play I think it was called love story maybe uh, and I remember the album cover for those of you who are old enough remember we used to have music on these big plastic platters called albums and the album, <laughs> album cover said love story and then the little caption was love is never having to say you're sorry course, yep, i remember that turns out that's not the case at all <laughs> not the case no not the case in fact that's it's it's really the opposite is true i remember those days and that sounded so good that was one of those things that just sounded so good back then <laughs> yeah it's, it's very appealing to think oh yeah that's what real love must look like it turns out real love is saying i'm sorry pretty much every day right that's right yeah that's a, a lesson in humility that marriage probably <laughs> you know a healthy marriage anyway can uh, get to pretty quickly knocking off the illusion that i've got it all together and you know i'm, I'm going to be the hero and make everybody's life great including my own, just in my own power. And aside from the, you know, being ready at any moment to say sorry to other people or to God, I think the, you know, the powerful thing about this thought for me has been um, how liberating it is when we finally rec recognize that we're not fooling anybody. And uh, I, I, gotta, I gotta shift my emphasis here from appearing to have it all together I've got to shift my emphasis to becoming a humble person who recognizes their feelings and weaknesses and is ready and willing to admit those and then grow. You know, that's man. That's when I started. When I started. When that started to sink in. That's when I really started to live, because I think that that's the Christian message. I've been talking and reading a lot lately about truth, and you know, there's a famous. Bible verse that says the truth will set you free and sometimes I think of that in these grandiose terms of once I know what the truth is then you know out there then uh, I'll have the sense of freedom and part of that is true but what we're talking about now is a different side of truth and that's the truth of authenticity of seeing yourself in a in the light of truth uh, and sometimes that it reveals things that you either didn't know were there or that you knew were there and you just wanted to deny <laughs> and and like either way that authenticity that transparency with yourself is also like you said a freedom of realizing you know what i not only do i not have it all together i don't have to try to keep that prop up that illusion either for myself or for others because i'm loved in my mess i'm loved in my imperfection yeah and that's such a freedom when you can realize that and and then when you can be in a community that realizes that you and i grew up in the same kind of uh sector of christianity and one of the messages that i got from it was that if if i can just be spiritual enough if i can be like moses and or if i can be like abraham or david and if god and i can just team up together we can change the world and so really i spent the first several decades of my life really trying to be a hero like Moses or David or Abraham, overlooking the fact of how flawed all of those men were and overlooking the reality that the way we're supposed to read the Bible is that it's the story of 
a, an awesome God who is also loving and gracious. It's not the story of a bunch of heroic human beings at all. They're just side characters in the story of the Bible. As a preacher in my denomination, I look, used to look at all the other guys that, and all the leaders that were preaching. And I thought, gosh, if I could just have it together like them, but God forbid that my secret would get out that I have failings and flaws, you know. What happened was I had my Ryan Lochte moment where I just couldn't hide <laughs> the secrets anymore, you know. So I had some a season of re revealing and confessing, and then I got involved in a, a community. Well, just today at 10 o'clock my time, after you and I get finished, I'm going to get on a Zoom call with five other guys, and we're just going to go around the circle, and we call it checking in. And we're gonna uh, say, hey, this is how this is how my week was today. This is where I struggled. This is where I failed. And then all five of the guys are gonna say, Lee, thanks for sharing, and God forgives you. And then we're gonna pray yeah. for each other. I like to say that's where the air is purest. Is that kind of environment? And I, man, I recommend it for everybody. One one time I went to one of those meetings called Celebrate Recovery. is is a ministry that I'm involved in, and that came right out of. Uh, right out of Irvine, California there at uh, Rick Warren's church. I went to one of the meetings where uh, it was a circle of men who were kind of, you know, uh, confessing their issues. And uh, the, the leader of the group at one point, he said, okay, guys, remember what we talked about last week? We talked about the grace of God. And the guy sitting next to him said, I don't remember us talking about that. And the leader looked at him and said, that's because you were in jail last week. <laughs> and we all laughed and I just took deep gulp of that air and I said, man, this is this is where we all need to be, where we can just recognize that we're all a bunch of jailbirds that that need love and grace and mercy. <laughs> yeah, much of the uh, recovery ministry, as I understand it, and I have visited uh, those groups several times, is uh, based on the 12-step process that some people might have heard of through uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and that kind of thing back in the day. And I know that one of the many great um, steps along the way is just telling the truth, right? Telling the truth to yourself about yourself, telling the truth about how you feel about something, about other people, not necessarily in a way that is harmful or hateful or spiteful, but just being authentic, right? A transparency. And then on the heels of that, I saw this TED talk, and I, and I wish I could remember the guy's name, but he was basically had been a convicted felon and had fallen into a life of crime and drugs and got his life back together through that same type of support group you're talking about through a recovery ministry. And then on, on the outside, he, he steps into a world where he knows that when he's applying for a job and he needs a job, that as soon as he puts on the application form that are you a convicted felon, yes or no, well, once he marks that yes, then the chances of him getting the job are next to nothing. But he had learned in the process you just tell the truth all the time and you don't control the outcome. You just, whatever yeah. happens, happens, right? And that's, that's in God's hands. So, yeah. hands. so he marks on this application, a job that he really wanted and needed. Yes. I'm a convicted felon and wrote a little note about, you know, I've, I've got a past that I'm not proud of, but I'm working towards a better future or something along those lines. And it was in his honesty of transparency, vulnerability, all those things that the employer, Felt like, you know, here's a guy I can trust now. He's he'll actually tell the truth about himself, even if it doesn't make him look good. Hired him and gave him this opportunity, which has changed the trajectory of his life. That's such a great reminder to all of us 
to be honest with ourselves and honest with others. And remember, I don't have to control the outcome. There's that freedom again. Yeah, it's just a free way to live, but I don't know how else to, how else to say it. I don't know if you felt this way, but I, I think we have this in common. But when you're young, and maybe this is a lot of uh, our journey, you, you kind of get this sense, and I don't know that you would ever articulate it out loud, but you know, kind of God's lucky to have me. <laughs> we're, we're this great pair because I bring this much to the table and God brings much to the table. Together we can do anything, right? We can, we can change the world. And then maturity over the years, reality sets in. You go, no, God's not lucky to have me. <laughs> I'm lucky to have yeah. him. That's, uh, right. that's, that's when it becomes more about grace than about, about what I bring to the table. That's right. And really, uh, uh, yeah, the, the problem when we're looking to humans to be the hero, including ourselves, is the two ditches of either God's lucky to have me. You know, I have preacher friends, and we just laugh about this. You preach a, you, you feel like you knocked it out of the park, and then that Monday you wake up and you go, man, God's lucky to have me. And then then the Sunday, the next Sunday, you just blow it for whatever reason. It's just the, the dynamics are not there, and you wake up on Monday and go, I'm not sure I'm even going to heaven. <laughs> and that, that's a problem when we're when we're looking for ourselves or any other human to be the hero of the story is that the the, the ditch of either arrogance or the ditch of self-condemnation but when we're looking at god as the hero and he's pouring out his grace on us that's the safest and most stable way to be because god never changes his grace never runs out there's a lot of freedom in that and you know the danger too like like you're just hinting at is that we could take the idea of grace and say you know i i have nothing to bring to the equation um, which in on one respect is true. I can't earn God's favor. I can't earn his grace or his mercy. He gives it because he's loving and he made us and he loved us. On the other side, though, that doesn't mean that I'm worthless. The fact that he provided grace, which came through at the sacrifice of his own son, means that I'm invaluable. I, okay. I, may, not, I may not be able to earn God's grace or his favor, but I'm still an invaluable creation of his that he lay, loved enough to do everything absolutely possible that I could still be in relationship with him and be adopted into his family. Yeah. Jesus told this story about a man who was walking through a field and he stumbled on a treasure that was like partially buried in the field or whatever. So he says, man, I want, I want this treasure. So he goes, sells all that he has to buy that field so he can have that treasure. Well, through, through the years, I always heard the interpretation that that's, that we're the man walking through the field, and when we discover, you know, the goodness of God, we sell everything we have um, in order to get God. But that almost doesn't sound right because we can't buy God, and we can't buy His grace. On the other hand, what if it's Jesus walking through the field, and He discovers us who He values enough that He's willing to give give everything? And so in Philippians two, it says He emptied Himself of everything and came down in order to purchase us. Both interpretations can be true, but I believe that that, if you had to choose between the two, I believe that's what Jesus was talking about, was that he values us so much that he was willing to give everything for us. So yes, we are valuable based on the fact that he values us, not based on anything that we've done or any awesomeness on our part. Yeah, yeah. my, my dad, uh, who he's a farmer, a mechanic, grew up in Montana, felt like it is, matter of fact. He was just telling me how it dawned on him 
recently, and he's now in his 80s, Donovan recently, that that God's plan of redemption for us go, predates human history, right? Before the foundation right. of the world, he knew we're not going to live up to our own expectations, and certainly we're not going to be able to earn our own salvation. So he, he puts a plan in place before we were ever born, before we were created, to provide this relief, this this ticket, this redemption, this forgiveness. And so for my dad, he was like, you know, anytime I doubt my self-worth, and his generation does that, we all do that, right? I, I realized that God loved me so much that he made a plan for me before I even existed. That's right. It's an undefeatable plan because it was never based on anything about us. Yeah, not dependent on us at all. That's right. Yeah, that's awesome. Being authentic, being vulnerable, its it feels from, I think the resistance that I feel anyway at times is that it makes me feel insecure. If, if someone knew everything about me, then they wouldn't like me anymore. They wouldn't want to be around me, right? They they wouldn't think I'm great. And like like we've talked about already, it's, it's that what we really want, what our hearts long for deep down is being known for who we really are, the honest right. and loved anyway. That's the equation where true freedom is, is that I don't have to pretend at all and in fact, I'm insecure when I do pre pretend and people like me, then I'm always in this question mark. Well, if they really knew what I knew, maybe they wouldn't like me as much. Right. And so God's God's equation is so awesome because he's like, of course, I know everything about you. I, I made you. I'm in you. I'm around you. I'm with you all the time. You can't hide anything from me. And of course, I love you. Right. I, I, yeah. I couldn't love you anymore. I couldn't love you any less. And that's what our hearts long for is to be fully known and fully loved. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about your, your TED Talk guy, and um, what a beautiful story that is, because uh, if he would have had to lie to get the job, he wouldn't have wanted that job anyway, because he would have had to keep up that pretense, but to be able to be hired by somebody that knows your background and still wants you, if you're going to decide to to be a, a, a transparent person, well, first of all, you got to be careful where you, where you spew that out anyway, yeah, but if you're going to if, if that's going to characterize your life, I'm just going to warn you that not everybody's going to be comfortable with that. And that's okay because you're going to be able to know who your real friends are and who the, who the people are who, who can't accept a, a real transparent person. You get to my age and you start weeding through it and then you start coming up with a pretty good little collection of super cool friends because... They know you and still love you. Yeah, and you made this comment about you got to be careful kind of who you share that with. And the Bible even talks about that. It says, you know, you don't want to cast your pearls before swine only to be trampled on in the mud. Being transparent means being authentic, but you don't tell all of your truth to everybody all the time because it's not always appropriate. And certainly there are people who, who would not find that uh, a reason to love you. They just find a reason to use it against you. Right? Yeah. And, and it takes a little practice, you know, and, and I think maybe all of us, when we're trying to learn how to be transparent, we get it wrong. Uh, we gush maybe a little bit too much when we shouldn't have, you know, but it's worth learning how to be this kind of person. It's worth it. And I, and I think it's really good, you know, as parents, it's a really good skill to learn as parents because kids, um, you know, like I hinted at in, in that little piece that you read, we don't fool the kids, not for very long, not after you know, age 10 or whatever, they're not fooled anymore. And so 
if we're one person at church and we're a different person at home, different kind of language, different kind of behavior, a different person with our, you know, social friends and, and the kids are going, wow, I, I guess that's how you live. I guess you're supposed to fake it till you make it, you know, yeah. whereas if they see if they see parents who are essentially the same in every uh, setting, they learn how to live an honest life, you know. I think it's their best chance at, at following God because they see authentic faith lived out. Yeah, definitely. Like you said uh, before, we grew up in a generation where many of the, the preachers that we grew up under, I think they were taught that they needed to always show only their strengths and their best sides and put their best foot forward in front of the congregation, people that were listening to them. And so I do remember that when I was young, I sort of idolized the person on stage Wow, they just they just seem like they have it all together and they have got this perfect relationship with God and perfect family. And then when the inevitably, when the flaws are exposed, it, it becomes evident who they really are. The disappointment is huge, you know, when you've idolized somebody, idealized them, and then the reality of actually what was always the case comes to light and you're just crushed because you had this yeah. unrealistic yeah. expectation. And thankfully, it seems to me, at least from, from my vantage point, and you can speak to this maybe as well, that it seems like it's become clearer over time that true leadership, whether it's in the church or without, is also open and honest and vulnerable and transparent to say, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all together. We're in this together. Let's let's figure it out. Let's, you know, let's be real and honest with each other. And that actually makes us stronger as opposed to living up to some sort of ideal. Yeah, in our generation and in the realm where you and I have kind of traveled, there has become that awareness that we all need grace. Now, here's here's the pivotal point. I think a lot of a lot of movements they get to that point and they go, "Ah, oh, heck, we're all we're all screwed up, so let's just be screwed up." And they they take a turn towards not really caring about what we would call holiness or that that sort of thing, but actually. What we're supposed to do now is we're supposed to we're supposed to be sorry about that and broken about that and go god help me and then god comes in and says let's patch you up and let's let's make you better over time and it's a long 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 process that doesn't finish in this life but that's god's intention is when we finally make that ryan lochte discovery to go okay good now you're at the place where we could really do something cool with your life how easy it is for me to look at someone like Ryan Lochte and say, oh, I can't believe that he would do that. I mean, I would never do anything like that, right? <laughs> and, then I, <laughs> and then I sense, even in this conversation, right, I sense the, the reality, and perhaps this is the Holy Spirit talking to me, going, really? Is that really true? <laughs> and I, I remember the old line from the, the Shadow show back even before I was a kid, like, only the shadow knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men. <laughs> right. The, the truth is that there is something about all of us that is flawed. And our nature is to point out the flaws in other people to make ourselves feel better. But that doesn't last either. That's not satisfying. And it doesn't put you in a place of security until you're willing to turn the spotlight in and go, of course, I could easily be there. Right. I've, I've done my own share of Ryan Lochte moments. It just happened, thankfully, not to be in the press. Just in case either of us ever get into that place of fooling ourselves, let's make a pact that we'll re <laughs> remind each other. Yeah. You know, you're talking about, you know, trying to keep this secret either to yourself or from others for long enough. And 
it's almost like a, you're holding your breath all the time, wondering when the gig's going to come up, when someone's going to expose you, especially those who have known you long enough to have seen the reality of your your strengths and your weaknesses. Again, I, so I go back to this this theme that we're talking about, this freedom that knowing I don't have to pretend for God to love me. I don't have to pretend. And, and in the relationships that really matter, I guess I heard this phrase, and you may have heard this too, that for those who mind, they don't really matter. And for those who matter, they don't really mind, right? Uh, here's another way to say it. I've heard that humans, ultimately, they want to love and be loved, but it's in our weaknesses, in our brokenness, that's where we really connect. We, that's where we fully understand that I can relate to you, right? Because uh, I have flaws as well. And if we can get past our own insecurities and find ways to love others in their flaws and allow them to love us back, then we get to model and experience that kind of love that God has for us as well. That's right. I have a movie illustration. You and I were talking about the Black Widow, and I don't know if you know, I saw it as well. I actually really, really liked the relational dynamics. And one of the things was these two girls grow up and they really misunderstood their parents and really had, you know, strong, um, angry and bitter feelings toward their parents. But there's a moment though, where the dad kind of breaks down and says, man, I, I did, I tried as hard as I could, but I know I, I know I blew it. And it was a beautiful moment of redemption there. So yes, it's hard to connect with the person who's hiding and uh, and not recognizing their their humanity but somebody who is, is is comfortable being themselves those are the people that we really something resonates with us about that person whether it's our parent or our pastor or just another human being man it's just we all yeah we all like you said we have this deep deep longing to know and be known and that and we're drawn to that for sure you know i may have uh shared this illustration before in our conversations but i i learned about this japanese art called kintsugi k-i-n-t-s-u-g-i and the basic concept is when the japanese create beautiful pottery if it's on the shelf or it's on display it gets knocked over gets dropped it gets shattered they don't sweep up the pieces and just throw them all away they gather all the pieces together and then get some sort of precious metal and they start to seam it back together and they use the precious metal as the weld. And what they do is they create this new form of artwork where it has all of the brokenness, all the flaws are there, but now it's like celebrated because it's put back together with this beautiful random artistic pattern. And then you see these examples, I've, I've seen these pictures online where the pottery itself was beautiful and then you put in this beautiful pattern of seams where it was welded back together and it's even more beautiful and more precious. And I thought, wow, that's such a great illustration of our lives that we fall apart, we get broken either by our own choices or by the evil of, of the world or people that have ill intent around us, trauma that happens to us. And God doesn't sweep us up and throw us away. He actually welds back together and creates something even more beautiful and then you see that in other people and you realize that it's in the brokenness that I can relate to you, that man, it, it is beautiful and it's precious. And then for me to kind of throw a, a spiritual filter over that, really what God has done is seamed us back together with, with the precious, most precious material of all, is with the blood of his own son. And this creates this beautiful, flawed, 
precious container that holds actually the spirit of God within us. And then one of my friends, you know, to take the illustration to another level, he said, my wife says, and sometimes there's a piece missing, you know, just you haven't all got it all back together yet. We're all in this process of being mended and being healed, but it's where the piece is missing that the light within shines out to the people around you. She's so like, so if we are the containers of the Holy Spirit, if God really does dwell in us, as the Bible would say, that in our flaws and our brokenness, not only does it show God's redemptive power, but in the holes that we still have, we can let the light shine to those around us and uh, become a beacon of, of God's redemptive love. I've never, I've never heard that story about the pottery, Joe, but that's really good. I, I agree with what you were saying about the precious metal that welds it back together again. Uh, you, you talked about it being the blood of Jesus. And I was also thinking, you look back over the moments of your life and the, the most precious moments are not those high moments where things were easy, where I got an A on my paper, you know, where people cheer, cheered me when I preached a sermon or something like that. The most precious moments are the moments where I've been broken and it's drawn me closer to God. I've made a mistake and I had to say I'm sorry to my daughter and it drew us closer than we ever were before. That's the most precious of all. Isn't it? It's amazing how we're the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. How God can take the brokenness in our world and the brokenness in us and somehow make something even more beautiful uh, than before. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's uh, an evidence that he is God and we're not because that's not the way we would do it. That's not the way we think. That's not the way we're wired. We think we have to be perfect, can't show our flaws. No one will like us if we do. And if we only create these false images that are fragile just ready to get poked at and the balloon's going to pop at any second right and it's so easy to think that god's just disappointed with us in our failure and the more i mature the older i get the more i realize that really i think god's attitude is oh there's this i've got such a better way i've got i've got a better plan you know let me do something that's even more beautiful inside of you instead yeah. of having to have this fragile thing where you're worried about when you're going to be exposed let's expose it and then show the world that that doesn't make you less of a person or less valuable. It actually makes you more valuable and you realize that in your weaknesses, in your flaws, in all your mistakes, God's love just still lavishly poured out on you. It's not in any way dependent on what you've done or haven't done. I mean, if anybody knows, he knows what's going on inside of us. Uh, yeah, we waste a lot of effort trying to hide that stuff. I love these discussions because it reminds me of, of what we know to be true, but sometimes just goes off in the periphery of our mind and we get so easily distracted uh, in our world. Keeps us from being reminded of what's really most important in our lives. What should we really focus on? Uh, what's really going to bring us wholeness and security and love, which is what we're after. And that's understanding, you know, that in all of the weaknesses that I have, God's love for me isn't diminished a bit. That's a hard one for people to grasp, I think. And maybe some people never do like i've got a really good friend and i think the thing that stands in the way of him really coming into a relationship with god is that he says says to himself oh, now nah, i've done just too many things that that are not forgivable and um, it breaks my heart i remember this sermon this was back when i was a kid and the, all i remember is the bible verse saying something to the effect of the that God saves, God's love saves to the uttermost. 
and the mm -hmm. preacher did this great word study on what does the uttermost mean? That means that there's no sin too deep. There's no divide too great. There's no distance too far. God can't mend it and forgive it and restore it to the beauty that he had intended all along. There's great security in that. I, I cannot run from God because he's everywhere. Yeah, there's a, uh, there's a song is love has no limit is grace has no measure his power has no boundary known unto man and out of his infinite riches in jesus he gives and gives and gives again it's a bottomless sea his grace is a bottomless sea and um i, t I tell young people because i was a youth pastor for a lot of years you know i know there's that sin that you think you've committed over a thousand times and that's the you know that's the statute of limitations. There's no more grace to cover that. And that's not true. And if you shoot, if you shoot somebody, I say, drop the gun, drop the smoking gun right now and drop to your knees and say, I'm sorry, God. And he forgives you. You may have to go to jail for shooting somebody, but you can be sure of your relationship with the father. God who will not let you go. Well, thank you, Lee, uh, as always. Thank you for your time, uh, for sharing life with me. I've, I treasure the friendship that we built way back in the, I guess it would have been the late 80s, early 90s, now been renewed through the internet, right? Uh, you know, I, I was kind of skeptical about whether or not these conversations online would be, you know, very fulfilling or very meaningful, but they, they are. Right? It's awesome. So thank you for your friendship. And thank you for capturing in words uh, things that, just observations of everyday life and seeing God's love, God's grace, God's profound interest in our lives. And, and as we've talked about today, the fact that he knows everything about us, there's nothing we can hide from him, but it doesn't love us any less. Thanks, Joe. It's, uh, it's great to spend time with you. And I just want to thank you for reconnecting. It was one of those relationships where I looked back with fondness and thought, well, that was, that was a good relationship, but you said, no, it is a good relationship and so you renewed it and now we get to hang out together and whenever you read one of the god moments i i, I always go wow that's better when joe reads it <laughs> so thank you absolutely would you want to close out with a prayer Steve? yeah father i just thank you for this time we can talk about being transparent and we can be transparent and i pray for somebody who's listening who uh who maybe is bound by secrets that you'd encourage them to find somebody they could trust and begin to open up and help them. The Holy Spirit is a Holy Spirit of truth. So help them to learn how to be truthful in their lives and to then experience the, the freedom. As, as Jesus said, the truth sets us free. Bless our listeners. And uh, we just thank you for being so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So on behalf of Hemi, which is Lee Free out there in Tulsa, and Joe McCarthy here in Orange County, thank you for everybody who tuned in. Uh, our prayer and our hope is that the time spent with us is time well spent. I've uh, shared some truths that will help you in your understanding of yourself and God's love for you. For Joe, for Lee, God bless you all. Until next time, hang out with God. You won't regret it. If this episode was beneficial to you, be sure to pay it forward, sharing it with others who may need a boost as well. Until next time, dream big, start small, 
Act now. Thank you for tuning in.